listening to Courtside Convo, your source for the latest news, analysis, and discussions on the NBA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Courtside Convo from Impact 89 FM from East Lansing, Michigan. I'm your host, Bobby Zephro, with co-host Zach Serdenick, Carter Landis, Josh Rayapan, and Darren Baydoon. Today is Friday, November 13th. Happy Friday the 13th. Maybe not so happy. It's about 1.45 p.m. And we have an NBA draft coming up. The NBA draft takes place November 18th. So we are going to do a little mock draft of our own. We've all got picks assigned to us. So I guess we'll jump right into it. Zach, you have, I believe it's Zach has pick number one, right? Yep, yes. I have, I have the first pick. And with the first pick in the courtside convo 2020 mock draft, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards, guard from Georgia. I went back and forth on this pick. Uh, LaMelo Ball has probably the most upside, and we've heard that over and over again. But Anthony Edwards, is he's got all the tools. He's a really good athlete, and he can knock down shots from anywhere. I think Edwards he fits better into that team into that roster because they already have Carl Anthony Towns as a center. So they don't need Wiseman. They already have D'Angelo Russell. So that'd be a weird fit with LaMelo Ball. So I think Anthony Edwards is the pick there, but a lot could happen with trades and all sorts of stuff with the number one pick this year. Right. Anthony Edwards to Minnesota. I'd really like to see how he plays with D'Angelo Russell to see that dynamic backcourt. Plus they got Carl Anthony Towns. That'd be a pretty solid pick for them. All right. And at number two, Carter, Golden State. We mentioned that guys are going to steal our picks, and uh, we already got one. So, (laughs) all right. With the second pick in the courtside convo 2020 mock draft, the Golden State Warriors select LaMelo Ball as a knee-jerk reaction to Anthony Edwards being taken. Uh, There's a lot of different ways that – uh, Golden State could go with this pick. Um, I don't really know that since you know they're going to be back in contention with all their healthy uh, monsters this year that they'll be back at it in the top seed in the West again. So I don't know how crucial this pick is to the future of their team, but taking LaMelo Ball doesn't hurt. Um, they could flip it eventually. I mean, it's great trade bait. Uh, to me, LaMelo Ball is awesome. I mean, you know, some of the things that you see over in Australia were obviously not good in terms of how his shooting percentages looked, uh, how his defense is. Uh, I think both of those things can be tweaked really easily. I think that the ceiling is sky high with his ability to shoot the ball, his ability to pl- uh, make plays. I think that just being the size that he is at the guard position uh, is going to be something that helps him along the way because there's you know defensive tools that he can use and my my biggest bold take this is probably like the boldest take i've had bold takes before but this is my boldest take if everything goes well for Lamelo ball if everything clicks we are witnessing the best player in the nba he will be the best player in the league if everything works out for him that's where i go with that do you go are you going like best player Ever, or are we going best player? Not ever, but best he, player not, in the not league. Ever, at the but time. at his peak, he is the best player in the league. Not ever. No, that's um, crazy. Okay, I'm not I that. Want, I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, now. <laughs> wow. All right. So, pick 
number three goes to Darren, Charlotte Hornets. Go ahead. All right. So I was going to say picking, you know, you could have taken one of the top two guards. Charlotte obviously could have done that. But I feel like that this is a spot where a big man could definitely go, considering the fact that Charlotte, you paid big money for um, Terry Rozier. You have Devontae Graham. And also there are trade rumors now that they could be a player for Russell Westbrook potentially. I'm trying to get him from Houston. So it feels like guard may not be the, the a pressing need for Sharp, but big man could be. So, and I'll go with a little bit of a surprise here. I'm going to go with the third pick in the courtside combo mock draft. I'm going to go with center Onyeka Okonwu. Wow. And I'm over James Wiseman, yes, because the one thing, the one thing, when you look at his draft profile, first of all, Looking at how he played in college last year, averaged a 31.6 player efficiency reign and was the only player in the country to average at least 20 points, 10 rebounds, one and a half steals, and three blocks per 40 minutes. He has an incredibly – he has a really high floor. Um, he's mobile. He's versatile as a defender. He's got, you know, he's got good skills in the interior. So I feel like he's someone – and here's the one thing. If you look at his profile, he's only 6'9", but wasn't there a guy who plays center for the Miami Heat who's only, what, about 6'10", who just showed out as being probably already one of the better big men, at least in the league, in the guy, what's his name? I think Bam Adebayo, do I have that right? So I feel like for that, I feel like, you know, I feel like that's a pretty comparable comparison, um, you know, especially since, you know, starting out, you know, you know, Bam didn't set the world on fire, but, you know, he's grown into being one of the better big men in the league, so – I think for I think for Charlotte, you know, you need you know you need a big man to plug in there. You know, you've got a couple wings and guys like Miles Bridges, and you got obviously have some guards, and you you know, and you maybe you know whether you trade for Westbrook or not, but you really don't have like a you know that a young big man prospect be able to put in there to for for you. So I think you know I think he fills that need for them, and you know I won't be shocked if they take James Wiseman. Although I feel like I feel like Okamwa, I feel like his you know his um his tools that he has are very I don't know. It's very, it, it's very to reminisce of me to add a bio and based on how, and, and considering the, the, the showing he put on in the playoffs, I feel like that's going to, you know, looking at a, at a big man with that kind of profile, I feel like more teams are going to be interested in, in getting a guy like him. All right. Onyeka Okungu, say that five times fast. <laughs> Going number three to Charlotte. Josh, your Chicago Bulls. Well, I wasn't quite expecting James Wiseman to drop to four here, but it looks like he's going to drop further because I think the Bulls go with uh, either Denny or Killian here were my two options I'd expect. I'm really high on Killian Hayes, but I just think Denny Avija's potential is just so much higher than Killian's. I don't like Killian's right-handing dribble. He has trouble going driving to his right. I know Denny has shooting problems. He shot 32% overseas, but I think he can fix that. I mean, I've seen his form. It's definitely a fixable form. It's not anything out of the ordinary that you can't fix. And, I mean, you have a 6'8 guy who can plug in at the three with Levine and Kobe, and his vision is just absolutely impeccable for his size. You're essentially looking – reminds me a lot sort of like Tony Kukoc or for the Bulls teams back in the day. He could probably fill that role, assumably. So I, I'm fine with either one of those two, Denny or Killian Hayes here. I think either way the Bulls go, you're getting an elite prospect who is an amazing passer and fits in well with the team, so. But which one they taking, uh, Jack? Oh, which one I'm taking? I'm taking Denny Avijo for Killian. <laughs> All day I'm taking Denny. Sorry I'm about saying, that. I'm like, you can't just leave us there. 
All right. Well, James Wiseman still available at five is very intriguing. Um, well, then I guess if you're Cleveland, you have, you know, you got good guards and Sexton and Garland, who a lot of people don't realize Sexton put up about 20 points a game last year, even though granted their team wasn't that good, but he can really, you know, put the ball in the basket. I think at this point then, I was going to go either Denny at this pick or I was going to go one of Carter's favorite players, Obi Toppin, at this pick. But with James Wiseman still available, and we don't know if Andre Drummond's going to opt into his deal, but I think he will. Um, Tristan Thompson's also a free agent. So if they lose one of those guys especially, I think there's no doubt if James Wiseman is still available at five, they are going to go with James Wiseman. So that's my pick. Um, we've only seen limited action from Wiseman. Granted, he put up about 20 points, 10 rebounds a game, averaged about like three blocks a game through those three college games. But, I mean, seven-footer, 240, mobile, has shooting potential. I'd, if Wiseman's still available at five, I do not see the Cavs passing on James Wiseman. So, at number six, we make it back to Carter which this pick was traded beforehand. Um, Carter wanted to pick for the Hawks, and so he traded this pick to Zach. Or, you know what I mean. Go ahead, Carter. Yeah, I had to jump Zach. I thought that was a fair trade for both of us. I would get my team and he would get his, so we could each pick who we wanted. Um, Obi Toppin continues to slide. Um, as I just tweeted very hilariously, Obi Toppin, more like I wouldn't draft him in the Obi Top 10. <laughs> anyway. <Rough. laughs> anyway, all right. So with this Hawks pick, I'm going with Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Isaac Okoro's ceiling, uh, and already he's going to come into the league and be a great defensive player. He's got elite uh, defensive technique. He's got the motor to play the position. Uh, he can shoot the ball really well. He can put it on the floor. Uh, obviously, that part of his game still needs to come along a little bit, but it's reminiscent a little bit of what Jalen Brown was coming into the league as an already good defensive player and his offensive game rounding out as he continues to improve. And I could see Okoro doing that um, as he fits with the Atlanta Hawks. I don't really know because I feel as though the future of John Collins is in jeopardy just because of the trade for Capella. So if they were going to go with the lineup of like Trey Young and then put Cam Reddish at the two, then Okoro, DeAndre Hunter playing a stretch four and Capella there, and they move on from John Collins in the future. I don't know how that's going to work, but I really like what Okoro could bring to this team. I mean, you know, you need to get as many defensive players on the team to hide Trey Young. You just need to improve on the defensive end for that squad. That's kind of what I think would help them get to the playoffs. They're a really young team, so add another really young, good player. Uh, I would be a huge fan of that. I keep seeing Tyrese Halliburton to the Hawks, and I just don't understand it. But I, I took Okoro here, so I got what I wanted. Yeah, I like that pick for Okoro. It's that's a good look for them. They need they need wing guys and defenders. We love the mute button, don't we? Okay, Isaac Okoro goes six to the Hawks. Zach, who's picking for the hometown Pistons? Go ahead. Well, first I want to say I don't see any way James Wiseman falls to five. Like, I, I think for sure he goes in the top. I think unless there's trades, but I think if these teams pick the way they do, I think Golden State probably takes Wiseman. But 
intriguing first couple uh, sets of picks for us so far. Back, number seven, the Pistons. I'm going to go with a guy that I'm really high on. Josh, you already mentioned him as a guy you're really high on. I think Killian Hayes is the pick here for the Pistons. I like his skill set. He's got a good touch. He shot high on free throw percentage and is a good finisher. So usually that means, or that will add up to a potential to be a better perimeter shooter once you can continue to develop and work on that. He's only 18 years old. His biggest problem is he doesn't really have much of a right hand. But if that's something that he can get worked out with the Pistons, it's going to be a good spot for them. Really high, raw upside guy. Good pick for Troy Weaver in his first pick. Yeah, I would not be mad at getting Killian Hayes at seven either in this draft because that's a name who's been constantly going up and down too. Some say as high as top five, you know, maybe at four to the Bulls. Um, and then another note on James Wiseman. I've seen some sites compare him to like David Robinson-esque. So if they can get James Wiseman at five, you know, David Robinson at five, that's never a bad thing. Um, Darren. Number eight, the Knicks. Who's going to turn uh, this franchise Knicks. around? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'll admit I am conflicted because on one hand, my roommate is a Knicks fan. So on one hand, I'm I'm wondering if I should make a pick that would you know help his team. On the other hand, I wonder if I should just absolutely be as much like the Knicks as possible and just wonder how much I could screw this up. Uh, <laughs> um, uh which makes it tough, really, because you can't – it's so hard to often think about what the Knicks would actually like. I, though – the thing is, you know, obviously it's New York. You want excitement. You want you – want, I feel like with the Knicks, you want a name. They're going to want – they're going to probably look at a name that their fans are going to know, and that leads me to say that – and not that to say this wouldn't be a bad pick, but maybe, you know, you, know, you can argue for someone like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton here. You can argue maybe some of the other names. But I feel like – I think – if you're if they're looking for a name that people will recognize, I'm gonna go with Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin Abdeen. I mean, he's been very. I mean, you know, you look at his production. You know, you can argue about maybe his overall. You know, his overall ceiling. You know, they they said before the draft, some scouts have gone back on. But I feel like the one thing, and I saw this comparison. Um, uh, I forget maybe the other day or something like that. But the comparison for him was to Amari Stoudemire. And I feel like that, you know, obviously Knicks fan, you know, you have the you have the history of that with Knicks fans, at least well with the first year with Amari Stoudemire was good. And then you know, as long as you know his injuries kind of, you know, ruined that contract for them. But, you know, he has that same in terms of you know, explosive leaping ability, you know, finishing ability. You know, he's probably at this point a better shooter than Amari. You know, he can, you know, he can space the floor with the with his three-point shot, which is something that Amari, you know, he was a good, you know, was a good mid-range shooter, but something that he never really uh explored during his career. Um, so I feel like that's, it's like a combination of a name that, you know, that New York would like because, you know, he's a, he was a big time college player, obviously, but also still a prospect that could, you know, that could help them, you know, both immediately and into the future. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'll have the Knicks taking Obi Toppin with the eighth pick. All right. The Dayton flyer off the board at number eight to the Knicks. So that would make Josh next with the Wizards. Josh, who the Wizards taking at nine? The Wizards are in a weird situation because it really depends on how well John Wall comes back from his injury. Because if you're talking about a healthy John Wall and Bradley Beal, we're talking about top five backcourt in the NBA easily. I mean, healthy John Wall, that speed and athleticism, 
and Beal with his playmaking and scoring ability. I think you take an elite shooter here who can stretch the floor out at that three position. I'm taking Devin Vassell out of FSU. Shot 42% from three, can stretch the floor out. He has weird mechanics, but you know what? If you shoot 42%, you're doing something right. So let him go out. He doesn't need to be – I mean, his playmaking's iffy, not the most quickest guy. But when you were playing with John Wall and Bradley Beal, you don't need to worry about as much. He can just focus on shooting threes, can perform mid-range. And I like him as a 3 and D role with this team. All right. Well, I'll take Devin Vassell off my draft board. I had him for a later pick, but – Never mind that. It is now my pick with the Phoenix Suns at number 10. Um, I guess because there's a, there's a variety of ways the Suns could go here. I know they do need a point guard or they could just take – there's a lot of 3 and D guys in this draft that could potentially carve out roles in the NBA. But I'm going to throw out a name that's been rising the last few weeks. I'm going to go with – Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama at number 10. Learning under Ricky Rubio would be pretty good for him because his playmaking sometimes is a little questionable. You know, sometimes tries to force passes, but he's super fast. He's got really good speed. He can create his own shot. Um, He averaged 1.8 steals per game his sophomore year, which is good, but with his size at about 6'2", 165, he's going to have to add on to that um another thing he kind of shies away from contact that's another thing that i saw he shot 36.5 percent on runners and floaters that's gonna have to go up but overall i can see kira lewis having an impact in the nba once he puts it all together the phoenix suns will get them a good solid point guard at number 10. so for number 11 we're going to go to San Antonio with Zach for the pick. I really want to pick Tyrese Halliburton here because he's fallen a lot and I, I don't, but the Spurs have a log jam of guards. So it doesn't really make much sense for the Spurs to go there. I think for the Spurs, I'm at two different spots here. I could pick a Sadiq Bay, a three and D guy out of Villanova that seems like uh, that seems like the San Antonio pick, but I could also go with Alexi Pokosevsky, who is somebody that I could really see the Spurs going with as well. And I think that's where I'm going to go. Pokosevsky, he's a seven footer, seven foot guard from Serbia that when you hear seven footer in Serbia right now, you normally think Jokic, but he's, He's not Jokic. He's Marcus Bingham-ish in terms of Slenderman levels or Chet Holmgren that was on TV of against Imani Bates yesterday. Those guys, by the way, it was, but I think that Pokoseski is going to be the pick here. He's got a lot of upside and I was listening to somebody say something earlier about this draft in a draft where there's no certain stars in this draft. Why not, in, when you're in the lottery, take a chance on a guy that has a 10% chance of being an absolute star rather than picking up a guy that's going to be a sure role player? So I'm going to go with Alexi Pokostevsky for this pick. 
dynamite pick. That's the brand is is so strong. Poku, I would say Poku, Josh seemed pretty upset with that one. <laughs> I'm driving. I'm driving the Pokushevsky hype train. I I love what he could bring. His high, his watching his highlights is just an absolute roller coaster. It is so much fun. The way that dude plays the game. The 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 tall point guard is is coming to the league. The Jokic, it's he's like the complete opposite of Jokic too, with with his, with with his size. So that's that guy's gonna be a stud, man. I love that dude. All right, Poku at eleven to the Spurs. So we go to Sacramento at number twelve. Carter, you're up. The Sacramento Kings uh, are an organization with a lot of fat on them, right? So you want to, you know what I'm saying? You want to, you want to cut out some of the fat. So you have a, you have a guy who's causing you a little bit of problems with contract disputes. You got a, you got a buddy healed. And um, if you're trying to cut out the fat and you're trying to move on from buddy healed and you want, you maybe want to go on a diet, why not draft a diet buddy healed? So with this pick, I'm going with Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. This is, this guy is Kind of came out of college, obviously not as good as what Buddy Hield did. Buddy Hield had, you know, one of the most insane colleges career, college careers ever. But in the similarity of the fact that Aaron Neesmith shot eight threes a game last year and hit on fifty-two percent of them, the way this dude shoots the ball is absolutely ridiculous. And is he a bit of a one-trick pony? He might be, but. There's also some potential on the defensive side, uh, but basically if you have a guy who can shoot, you can pretty much build off that and get, get yourself a really good player. I mean, it's what it's what, uh, what the Phoenix Suns did with Devin Booker. I mean, Sacramento, or it was New Orleans at first with Buddy Heald, and then they screwed it up, and he probably won't be back. So if you need a cheap replacement for Buddy Heald, why not do the guy who just did the same thing with his production in terms of his ability to shoot the ball. I mean, Aaron Neesmith can shoot the ball ridiculously. He'll come into the league and be really good at that immediately. He's got defensive playmaking potential. I think where else he needs to work on is uh, his ability to put it on the floor and get to the rack and use his body better. I was watching him play, and he doesn't do well with uh, using his body and getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. But there is so much potential here for a guy to be really good and Again, that's your diet buddy healed if you want to go out and diet and cut out the fat of your organization. All right, so the Kings going on a diet at pick number 12. Um, So I got to get back to the doc. 13 is New Orleans. Darren, who's New Orleans taking? All right, well, the Pelicans are like a tough spot because they, they're, they're a team that has so many young pieces as it is. Obviously, Zion Williamson, you have Brandon Ingram, who, you know, just is coming off, you know, his, his first campaign as an all-star this year. You have, you know, you have young, other young players, Jackson Hayes and other young guards on their roster. But I'm going to go – the one thing that still isn't a sure thing is to me is Lonzo Ball. And it's not that Lonzo didn't play, you know, didn't, wasn't a good player with the Pelicans this past year, but – to me, is the question of is he going to play at a level to where he's to where the Pelicans are going to be comfortable paying him the money he's likely going to demand when he becomes a free agent? I believe after this upcoming season. So with that, and since this and since this guard has fallen at this point in the draft, I am going to go with New Orleans. I am going to go with uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and 
Tyrese Halliburton. And to me, I feel like when you look at his skill set, you know, he's still got really good size for a guard. He's 6'5", 6'7 wingspan, so he's going to be able to guard either guard spot with that kind of length and size. Um, he's a career 43% three-point shooter. So, And that's the one thing is the fact that he's played, he's played off the ball a lot at Iowa State. I feel like at Iowa State, I feel like when you're looking at a roster where you have guys like Zion Williams, if you have guys like Brandon Ingram, you don't necessarily need a point guard who's going to demand that someone, you know, someone in the vein of a guy like Lonzo, who his his primary uh, his his primary focus is to share the ball, but someone who just by college production has has shown to be a much more consistent three point shooter. So I feel like in terms of the fit there, depending on you know if you know obviously if Lonzo plays well, then you know maybe you know they can have him be. You know, maybe they can have them both in the backcourt because obviously with the way he can play off the ball, he could play at the two and guard the two. But if Lonzo, you know, if they decide that they would rather move on from Lonzo and have Hallenberg, I feel like he would be a good fit for this roster for a guy that can that can play – that is efficient in the pick and roll. You can play in the pick and roll with Zion. You're able to – you know, you can play off of Brandon Ingram and get, and get guys and be able to set up guys in the spots where they like to. I feel like his skill set – is something that would fit very well with a New Orleans roster that already has a, that already has multiple all-star caliber players who are going to need the ball. So being able to play off the ball, being able to play in the pick and roll, and being able to get guys in their be able to get guys in their spots, which is all things that Hallenberg can do. I feel like that's a good fit for a New Orleans for this New Orleans New Orleans roster. Yeah, I'd say if Halliburton size thirteen, I feel like. Any team, if he slides past ten, really, I feel like any team at that point will just pick him up for the sake it's of great the it's best great player available. Yeah. Right. So we've got we're up to number fourteen now. This is Boston's pick from Memphis, and we head out to Josh. Go ahead. Well, I'll be honest. I don't think Boston's picking this pick. I think they try to trade up in this draft, like we've seen many reports. Packaging three picks. I've heard many reports maybe for Drew Holiday trade with Kemba or just moving off and maybe drafting another center. In terms of Celtics, we do know that they do want to get rid of Garrett Gordon Hayward's contract, and they do probably want to move him based on rumors. Whether they do that or not, I still think Sadiq Bey here is a good solid pickup for that team. Great shooter. He can run a pick and roll and play with some four for them. I mean, forty. I think it's 45% on six attempts per game in college. I just like the pick. I think it's good there. He doesn't need to show off his athleticism, like I said, with Devin Vassell. He can play alongside Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba. Doesn't need to be a star right away. He can just transform to a 3 and D player as well. Well, thanks for taking my pick, Josh. <laughs> so we've got Sadiq Bey at 14. So I guess then at 15 for the Magic, I'm going to go a different direction here. Um... I've got a few guys, two guys who I'm really deciding here are Patrick Williams from Florida State and Precious Achu, Precious Achu, <laughs> Precious Achiwa. I think, I guess that's how you pronounce it. I probably botched it, but um, both those guys, you know, they bring similar traits, um, both around six, eight, six, nine, three, potential three and D guys. Um, but if I had to choose... I'm going to go with Patrick Williams here just because he's one of the younger players in the draft. He's a solid defender, plays really good help side defense. He has a good jump shot that could be tweaked a little bit. 
Um, I think he'll be an effective shooter, another one of those 3 and D guys that are going to come out of this draft, and I'm going to go with Patrick Williams out of Florida State for 15. So Patrick will be staying close to home. Um, so we'll go out to Portland, pick number 16. Zach, go ahead. So Portland desperately needs a third guard behind Lillard and McCollum because really they don't have any – they didn't really get much other – I mean, Gary Trent got hot a little bit at times, but they desperately need a third scorer there. So I'm between a few different guys. A guy that's been rising on a lot of people's board that I really like is Tyrell Terry from Stanford. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's going to be the pick for them. Tyrese Maxey's still on the board, and I think that's where I'm going to go is Tyrese Maxey because he's not as good of a shooter as Terry is, but Maxey will bring a defensive tenacity to Portland that they just – it'd be a change of pace coming off the bench with those guys. And so I'm going to go with Tyrese Maxey to Portland. All right. Tyrese Maxey with Dane Dalla and C.J. McCollum. It'll be a great little job shadow there for his first few years. Um, we're going to go Minnesota from Brooklyn via Atlanta. Carter, you're up. 17. So I did originally have Sadiq Bay slotted here, but uh, I will go with my next player, and that is uh, somebody that Bobby mentioned. I'm going Precious Achua. Uh, I love Precious Achua. He's probably one of my 10 favorite players in this class. Uh, he's an energy guy at the four. He's got a decent enough of a jump shot to be able to play well, but, I mean, you take a guy with athleticism and energy and a great motor – and you've got yourself a good player. I mean, I think, you know, he can start from day one at the four for them uh, next to Carl Anthony Towns, and that's going to be a solid pick. Um, yeah, that's my guy right there. Precious Achiwa, you take the guy who wants to put in the work to be a really good player, and then you, you've got yourself a great player at 17 right there. So I'm going with Achiwa to the Timberwolves. All right, Precious Achiwa. Good pronunciation there. <laughs> 18, Dallas. Dallas and Darren, go ahead. I will say, Bobby, you did take – I was looking at Patrick Williams with that pick, so you did – they kind of had me scrambling a little bit on, on that. Um, but looking at Dallas, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like there's not like a, a lot of best – a lot of better combo forwards have gone already in this draft. Um I feel like maybe it maybe just because of the value here, because of how about about how both these guys are on draft boards, and just you know in terms of trust picking with the best guys because Dallas, you know, it's not a it's not a spot that necessarily needs another guard, but I feel like someone like um like R.J. Hampton could actually be a really good pick here. I think that you know when you don't necessarily obviously you know Luca's going to have the ball, he's going to be the primary point guard, but you know I do think you need some you know when you look at the other guards and forwards, you know. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. right now, he's at his best probably off the ball more as a shooter and necessarily. Um, I think that, you know, and they, you know, you know, you have a good backup and guy like Jalen Brunson who can, you know, handle it obviously. But I feel like, you know, Dallas, you know, at, you know, at one point could, you know, it wouldn't be that bad to look into developing another, you know, another comp, you know, a combo guard who can come in, still be able to play off the ball. He, you know, Hampton's got a developing shot, who, you know, who had good, you know, he's got good potential in his developing you know, in, in terms of developing into, you know, who can make threes off the ball and things like that. But, you know, someone who's got good size, 6'5", 
play either guard spot um, and can, you know, and can be, you know, can grow with Luca, who's obviously still very young himself, you know, and who they don't necessarily need to be great right, right away, which probably will help his uh, potential and someone who can maybe grow into that other guard spot who can, you know, eventually, you know, help Luca and, you know, maybe take a little bit of pressure off him, be able to handle the ball and not have them have to have the ball in his hands all the time. Because, you know, especially when we saw in the playoffs against Dallas, you know, I mean, he was, he had the ball pretty much all the time. So, you know, probably, you know, I think, I think Dallas, ideally, if they could get, you know, a, a good combo, a good combo four in this spot, I think that's, I think, it, you know, they could, you know, if someone like, you know, I was going to say if someone like a Patrick Williams were to slide or maybe one of the other forwards in this draft, they, I think they could take their, this, um, a, a player like that at this spot too. But I think that gain another guard who can help take pressure off Luca, you know, probably would also be good as well. So yeah, I'll take RJ Hampton with a two pick. Yeah, when I was doing my research on R.J. Hampton, because I was tempted to put him at 15 to the Magic just because he's super athletic, super good in transition. It's just his defense sometimes. Like, it looks like he's sometimes, like, almost saving himself on defense, like, so he can play offense, saving energy. But once once he gives his full effort to the defensive end, I really like the prospect yeah. of R.J. I mean, he won't – I mean, listen, he's uh, – with, you know – Luca's gonna be the main guy, so he's not gonna. They're, they're not gonna. Nest, they're not gonna need him to be like you know, have the ball in his hands all the time at eight points. So I and I feel like that's good because he can focus on growing the other parts of his game, defense, shooting, to develop into more of a better complement, but still have the ability to handle the ball and to take that pressure off Luca. You know, if if he needs a rest or you know, or or for whatever else. Right, and he's only eighteen, right? He's yeah. eight. He's eighteen or at the oldest 19 so he's still really young still has a lot of time to develop so rj hampton to number 18 to dallas and now we go to brooklyn josh who we got well here's the thing about brooklyn is that essentially they've got their entire rotation filled out one through ten i mean if you look into that whoever they're going to draft in this spot is essentially they're going to be a g league or a draft and stash type player for the next year so what I think, I think they go European here. I think they'd get a draft and stash guy who I'm really high on as well, and that's Leandro Bomara out of Spain. I'm really high on him. He's very – he's not the most athletic guy, but he's sneaky athletic. He gets to his spots and he can hit his shots. He's, not, he's good off the dribble. His shot's a little weird in the mechanics, but it's definitely something he can fix. I think it's a high potential pick, sort of like what Zach was doing with Poguzewski. I think Nets can do the same thing here with a high-level guard as well. Yeah, I'll say the Nets are looking loaded for next year, which kind of, yeah, puts them in an awkward position in this draft because obviously Kyrie gets hurt about halfway through the year. KD doesn't play at all, so obviously your record's going to affect that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Brooklyn does because really they could go anywhere from this 18th pick. Um, so we will go – ooh, it's my pick. Miami Heat. Um I'm with no – well, I guess with Dragic being a free agent, they don't really have another point guard. Um, a pick I really like here, though, for um, the Miami Heat, a guy who I think fits that build. I could see Josh shaking his head. Um, I'm going to go Cole Anthony here at number 20, a guy who, you know, every time he – in the um, All-America game, he showed out. In the Jordan Brand Classic, he showed out. In the games at North Carolina, he did all that he can on a team that didn't really have the North Carolina talent we're accustomed to. 
Um, the injury problems are going to be sort of a concern, but I think he just carries that Miami Heat dog mentality. Um, I'm going to, so yeah, I'm going to go Cole Anthony, number 20 to Miami. So with that being said, we will move on. 21, Zach, Philly, go ahead. Philly is really going to depend on if they do decide to make any trades for any different styles, what they end up picking. And I think that can be said for a lot of different teams. But as the way, for the way that their roster is set up right now and going into this pick, assuming that they pick it for themselves, I'm going to go with a guard here, a backup point guard for Ben Simmons, somebody that can make plays off the bench for them and knock down shots. And I'm going to go with Tyrell Terry. Terry's a guy that could potentially even play with Simmons because of Simmons' size. He can guard point, the point guard on the other team because Simmons can run the point. And Terry can knock down shots from pretty much anywhere. He's got outstanding range. I think that that'd be a good pick for Philadelphia. But there's some other guys that have fallen. I mean, Green from Arizona is a guy that was – Josh Green is a wing that's still available. There's a lot of good players available for these last – what, 10 picks of our mock draft here. Yeah, that's what makes it, like, classes like this, when there's really, they're not really top-heavy, they're more spread out. And we've seen in the draft, obviously, it doesn't matter where you're drafted, it just depends what you do when you're in the league. So there's a number of these guys, yeah, who I could see becoming big-time players, making big-time plays in the future. So we'll go 22, Denver from Houston, Carter. You up. So Denver is, yeah, another one of those teams that really doesn't need to worry about who they draft here, but they usually are pretty good at drafting. Uh, I'm sticking with a local prospect, and that's Colorado's Tyler Bay. Uh, he set an NBA combine record for forwards uh, with a 43-and-a-half-inch vertical. Max vertical doing his draft combine workouts. So that is a ridiculous athlete right there. I mean, he's got the prototypical size. He's about six, seven in shoes. Uh, he's got a seven, one wingspan. Um, he's just a killer athlete already. Uh, he can shoot the ball pretty well. He can defend really well. He knows where to get to his spots. He can close out incredibly well. He, uh, he just plays defense without fouling. His footwork is good. So you have a three and D wing there with, extreme athleticism he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Tobias Harris type of player where he can do almost everything he's more of an athlete I think than Tobias Harris was coming out but that's a guy that you know you can play off your bench at the wing spot and you're you're pretty good at that spot all right so that was pick 22 from Carter 23 to Utah Darren you're up all right, so I'm just thinking maybe, especially, you know, I was thinking maybe at first possibly a big man for Utah here or, or a bigger forward. Um, but I think the one thing is is that, you know, you look at Utah's makeup, and even though they traded for Mike Conley, and, you know, he didn't have the best year this year, obviously, with, with dealing with, uh, with injuries and things like that. He played a little better after, the, after they got into the bubble. But this team's always – Utah's probably going to always be at their best with Donovan Mitchell as a primary ball handler as we saw when, you know, they were up 3-1 against the Nuggets in the postseason. He was just scoring, you know, scoring 50 burgers all the time. Um, so I'm going to look at a guy who is capable of playing, you know, who can play off the ball off of him and still pick up a slack on defense. I'm going to take Josh Green out of Arizona. 
Um, 6'6", 210, good profile. It's like a combo as a, as a, com, you know, a, a guard, combo guard forward. Um, you know, he's big, he'll be able to, you know, he's got the potential to guard multiple positions, which is something Utah likes. Obviously, you know, they pride themselves on being a good defensive team. Um, he can shoot it. You know, he can, you know, he's, you know, he can play, you know, he can shoot it, play off the ball from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, he can finish in transition in the open court. So he's, I feel like, you know, and he's a guy that can, you know, even if, he, you know, as a three, you know, he projects right now, like, you know, as a, at the very least as a good three and D wing. And I feel like, you know, you, you know, Utah's a team that values that. They like that. They like those guys, the Joe Ingles of the world. And, you know, even the Bogdanoviches who, who, you know, initially known for his shooting, but even he's turned into a, you know, a decent defender, uh, you know, now that he's in Utah. So, you know, there, you know, this, I feel like he's a guy that, you know, Mitch, you know, you look at playing with Mitchell, he's going to be the primary ball handler. So I would look for guys who can, you know, still bring, bring more shooting around him and can still, and can still be, you know, help you know, Utah keep that, strong keep that strong effort on defense so i think i think green has a has a good you know as a you know, has a high floor to be able to be that kind of player for them yeah that's another guy in this draft whose athleticism just off the charts too i do like that pick a late value pick for the utah jazz so after josh green at 23 we're going to go to 24 milwaukee via indiana josh you are up well, unfortunately for me, Darren just stole my pick in Josh Green, but uh, thankfully I have my second option here. And you look at the Bucks and you have Giannis, and you always want to see around Giannis with more shooters, and thankfully you still have one of the most elite shooters in this draft still available. Out of TCU, I'm taking Desmond Bain here. High-level shooter, 43% from the field. He can come off the bench with three. I think Pat Connaughton is three-guard. Pat Connaughton is a good player, but I think you need more shooting off the bench. Another option for Giannis to think out of. He's not the most elite defender, but he plays smart defense. And he plays hard defense, which you can respect, and he's only playing off the bench. So I think he provides just another shooting option for Giannis and could play solid minutes for a really loaded Bucks team who really already has a ton of depth as well. Right, right, right. All right. Speaking of right, we'll go to 25, Oklahoma City. That's my pick. Um. I was tempted to go for a point guard here just because, you know, with the rumors circulating Chris Paul, who knows what they're going to do at um, free agency. Um, I'm going to go with a guy a little off the board who I did a little research on. I'm going to go Zeke Naji. I believe it's pronounced Naji out of Arizona. Um, He has pretty good footwork. For a big guy, um, he showed that at Arizona. He shot 83.3% in transition. Um, you can't teach the motor this guy has. He's constantly going after rebounds. Um, if he were in 2K, he'd definitely get that rebound chaser badge. Um, the only problem, he has to become a better decision maker, better playmaker, 27 assists to 70 turnovers. And he also only had 28 blocks last season as a freshman. Um, he has to improve upon that, but I think he's a guy who at 25 would be a great value for the Thunder and a guy who could learn from Danilo Gallinari also to maybe improve his shooting and bucket getting in a variety of ways. So Zeke Naji, 25. We will go now to Zach Boston, 26. Go ahead. Uh, I'll start this with a caveat of Boston. I think there's no chance they make this pick. Because just in terms of their roster crunch, 
they have to either trade this, like package their end of the first round picks or draft guys that they can stash overseas, which is why I was going to take um, Leandro Balmero from Spain with this pick. But now I'm not really sure. I think I'm going to go with another European guy and maybe they'll just tell him to stay over there and not, not give him a roster spot or something. I don't know what they're going to do. They need to trade these picks. But I'm going to go with Theo Maladon um, with this pick. Good guard. Another piece that they can add there. But, again, there's no way that this pick gets made by Boston and that this guy is on that roster. It just wouldn't work with the way that they're – with how many players they have on their roster. All right. So that was pick number – 26, 26, Theo Maladon. All right, so we're going to go 27, New York via LAC, which is the Los Angeles Clippers, for those who don't know. Carter, go ahead. So I believe it was Darren who picked for the Knicks earlier and got them OB Toppin. So if they wanted to, they could roll out that uh, that lineup of five power forwards. I would love for them to do that if they went with OB Toppin. I think that would be hilarious. Uh <laughs> But what they, I think what they really need is a good uh, two guard. I think he's a two guard. I think that's probably where he projects uh, in the future. And that's, I'm going with Texas Tech's Jemias Ramsey. This is a super high upside freshman with a really good offensive game. He's got a good motor on both sides of the ball. Um, I really like the way he shoots the ball. I think he's got a little bit of ways to work on that. Um, not much of a playmaker in terms of, you know, being guard, but if you have – if they could get a different play. I think um, R.J. Barrett would really run that offense, and then you could have Ramsey play off ball there. But I think that's a good fit for them. They need athleticism at the two position, and uh, I think that Jamias Ramsey fits that spot pretty perfectly. Uh, I like his upside. He was a freshman last year. He played really well for Texas Tech. Um, there's just some guys – can see that have a knack for scoring and he's one of those guys so I really like what he brings to a team that he could get drafted to it's the Knicks and they need some sort of optimism and I think that Ramsey can bring that for him all right Jemias Ramsey I'm just looking at that spelling and it just makes me wonder like how do parents come up with these <laughs> spellings but hey Good for you, Jemias. You go to the NBA, you're going to become a millionaire with that name. So, Jemias Ramsey at 27 to New York. Next pick is 28 with the Los Angeles Lakers. Darren, who the Lakers got? Well, I'll preface this too by saying I wouldn't be shocked that the Lakers maybe include this pick into potentially for a trade for another, you know, a more established rotation player. Um, I know there's been talks about them potentially – looking at uh, DeMar DeRozan, really, for, like, including, like, Kyle Kuzma for that. But if they do t keep the pick, there is one guy who I am kind of really surprised has been on the board. He's ranked – he's in, in all the mock drafts I've – in all the mock drafts I've seen, they have him ranked within at, at least the first round. I would uh, – first round. I'm going to have him taking Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Um, you know, you look, you look at someone, you know, especially when you look at the Lakers' bigs, obviously JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard both played well in the roles they had, but – they're both in there, you know, Dwight's going to be, what, I think 35 or so at this year. You know, JaVale's in, is in his early 30s now. So, you know, you might need – and they're both, you know, they both were on one-year contracts. So it's not guaranteed that either of them comes back, depending on, you know, what that situ how that situation turns out. So they could – the Lakers could be in a position to where they need a backup big, and Smith offers a lot of upside. He can play either the power forward 
or the center spot. So, you know, you can have that interchangeable interchangeableness with, with a guy like Anthony Davis who can play both as well. Um, you know, he's, you know, at 6'10", 225, seven foot two wingspan. Um, you know, he's a vers- he's versatile offensively. He's made 30, 37% of his three pointers in college. Um, and then he also was able to be efficient in the paint, making over 60% of his two-point shots. So very efficient offensively, capable of playing off the ball, which is obviously very good when you're playing with both LeBron and AD. And the, listen, we've seen it with so many guys. If you're a shooter playing with LeBron James, you are likely going to be able to do very well for yourself because he is going to he is going to demand he is going to demand all the main attention and he's going to pass it out and he is going to be able to get it right in your shooting pocket. So I think for a guy like Smith, I think he fills that role of of providing more shooting uh, around LeBron and AD and also being able to fill in, you know, fill in at the, you know, the backup, you know, let's say the backup center spot and giving them, you know, a a good young prospect to be able to grow because, you know, with teams like the Lakers where, you know, you have multiple superstars, you know, if you're able to find those, you know, those uh, maybe not diamond, but just say those, you know, those good players, you know, in the rough, like they, like, you know, like, you know, some teams can to be able to have that on a, on a cheap contract and still be able to be productive. You know, that's obviously big for a team like the Lakers and to be able to get a guy in Smith who can be a floor spacing shot blocking big, I think that would be very, that probably be that would he would be at the very least a really good um, supporting piece for the for their rotation. Yeah, I really like that pick. What was that? That pick twenty eight. Yeah, you know, being from being from Big Ten country, we've seen plenty of Jalen Smith. You know, he's a really good shot blocker. He can step out and shoot. A really, I just what's the word I'm looking for? I guess equipped. A very equipped big for today. He's, he's, modern, he's very much a modern big man. I feel like you know, I just that skill set. I mean, that skill set can help any team. So I feel, and for the Lakers to be able to get that value at twenty eight, I think you know that's. That's a guy that can. That's a guy that they can be not just help them win the present, but can be a supporting player in the future for a long, for potentially a long time if he's you know if he fills his, if he if he catches in on his potential. Yeah, and what better what better guy to learn from than Anthony Davis? You know, have him over you too. Yeah. So. Yep. Could be really good for Jalen Smith if he falls to twenty eight to the Lakers. So we will move on second to last twenty nine. Josh in Toronto. Who's the Raptors well, picking? Obviously, Toronto has two big free agency decisions this offseason with Fred Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka. From what I've seen, I think they're probably going to try to re-sign Van Fleet. And from what I'm seeing, I think Ibaka's pretty much on his way out. And again here, it's it's difficult for me because the Raptors are getting like so many teams just loaded with that depth here. I think they go and they get a backup center. I think they get Isaiah Stewart out of Washington. Because in my opinion, look – uh, he has big size, huge athleticism, great defensive ability. Not quite on the perimeter, but I think uh, I think he'll form a nice backup role alongside Pascal Siakam there. Carter, I saw you trying to. <laughs> I saw that signal right there because that's that's where exactly, I'm about man. to go at pick thirty. So okay, I got really nervous. Um, so pick twenty nine to Toronto. Last pick of the first round. This is a very popular pick. Like I said, Carter was trying to signal to Josh that this player might go here as well. Um, I'm going to go Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State right here. Um, Very good pick and roll defender. I've seen um, a lot of Al Horford comparisons, which 
Al Horford had a very nice career in the NBA, just the way he can, he can move, he can step out and he's a pretty good, um, pretty good shot blocker plays vertically sometimes, which really helps in the NBA. If you already have that concept of verticality down, less fouls, more playing time. So to close it out, I'm going to go Xavier Tillman, 30th pick to Boston. So, well, that was really fun. Like I said, um, we were talking about also having a live draft reaction, which I think would be really cool as well. Um, did, did we want to touch on anything else from the NBA draft? Like maybe players still available that you might think still be selected in the first round? Dashes. I was signaling to Darren. I thought with the yeah. Lakers pick, he was going to go with Cash. Man, that's that's, right, that's a perfect on. fit right there for him. <laughs> no, can't, I mean, listen. The, well, when you're getting down, I mean, and I, I, I was going to say for Bobby. I mean, I like the Tillman pick because when you're getting down to those picks, you, you're, you're really looking for guys that, you know, obviously, you obviously, if, if they have, if they have, if they're, if, if it's a prospect who has high upside that's dropped, that's that's something you can also do. But usually. You want guys that can that know what they're likely going to be and can fill a role and fill it well. That's I mean I thought Smith had a pretty good you know he was pretty you know he's in normally the you know he's in, he's in the late teens high twenty. Uh-oh. Did we lose Darren? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, you look at you know he's an incredibly and we we you know obviously being at Michigan State we all know how incredibly intelligent of a play of a point guard he is. He's a good shooter. You know, then, then, you know, he fills that role, you know, you know, he can play off the ball with that, with, you know, with the shooting and he can still make plays for others, be a secondary ball handler next to LeBron or next to whoever else is on the floor for the Lakers. So, I mean, I could see that um, easily. I, I mean, Cat, Cat, again, it's like Cassius is a guy that I feel like Cassius could be, I think Jalen Brunson, the way he is right now with Dallas, I think he's a good cop for that just because, you know, he's a solid shooter. You know he's a he's a good he's a good secondary ball handler, backup point guard. I just feel like that's a I feel like he's that's a guy who's going to play in the NBA for a long time, and he's not he's not gonna he's obviously not gonna ever be a star, but he's just a good solid player, and he's gonna be a, and he can help pretty much any team in the league. So I feel like Cassius is gonna I think Cassius has like has good potential to be that kind of guy. I think Cassius can be that guy. I think Cassius reminds me a lot in terms of his body type and some of the things that he can do of Kyle Lowry. He, he, that's a guy I think that I don't know that Cassius is going to get to that level, but he's got all the potential and he's, he, he's a winner. He wins games and he makes plays and he's a good leader. Even if it's not necessarily the number one vocal leader, like we talked in past episodes about Kawhi when he was in Toronto, that was Kyle Lowry's team. That wasn't Kawhi's team. And I think that Cassius can be, a guy that can make plays, even though people think he's not the most athletic guy, he can get it done when it's needed. And I will say, I definitely think that Jalen Smith, if he falls all the way to 27, is definitely the pick for the Lakers. But I would not be surprised to see Cassius Winston go there in the likely event that Jalen Smith doesn't fall that far. Yeah, I mean, you've still got a lot of good players whose names weren't even called in our mock draft. Like, you've still got... Devon Dotson out of Kansas, Jordan Nuara out of Louisville, Vernon Carey, whose name isn't very isn't mentioned that much either, and also uh, who was Malachi Flynn from uh, San Diego State was another guy who I was thinking about. That dude, he gets buckets. Zach, you don't agree? <laughs> I'm not a big Malachi Flynn guy. I think that 
Flynn's good. Flynn's real good. And we can keep this for freezing cold takes when he's an all-star. But um, I think that I've seen a lot of mocks having him ahead of guys like Winston and a few other guys. And maybe it's just that I'm from around here and I'm from Michigan State country, but I can't see – I don't see Malachi Flynn, a guy that's pretty close to the same size as Winston, being a better NBA player than Cassius Winston. I think Winston is going to be the better player there, and I think that Devon Dotson's the guy that I think will be better than Malachi Flynn in the NBA. Like That's maybe just my opinion, but I've got Flynn and Winston and Nico Mannion and a few other guys higher than Malachi Flynn on my board. Um, well, let's see. We've got – we're about a little under an hour in, so I guess we do still have time also to talk some current NBA news. Um, oh, Darren, did you want to say something? I was going to – well, I was going to transition right into that because now Grant hasn't been I – don't, I don't think – it hasn't been brought up, I don't think, by like ESPN or anything like that, but there has been a trade report going around on different basketball sites on Twitter between the Clippers and the Rockets – the Rockets would get Paul George. The Clippers would get Russell Westbrook, Robert Covington, and a 2023 first-round pick. Wow. I'm not saying – it had, nothing's been confirmed, but there's right. reports saying that there have been discussions, discussions between the two teams regarding a potential trade. That seems like a lot for Paul George. I mean, Russell well, think Westbrook about how much, well, think about how much the Clippers – Think about how much the Clippers gave up to get Paul George. That's true. They I mean, a boatload of picks. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're talking about you're in a position where the Clippers, it's like, well, you probably can't run the exact same team back. You know, you t- we've talked about their need to get, a, like, a, a true point guard that can, that, can direct their, that can direct the team. And, you know, with the reports from Houston saying that Russell Westbrook wants out, doesn't want to play with James Harden anymore, and just how that whole situation is imploding – Honestly, I mean, you could argue about, you know, how good Westbrook still is, but, you know, I, I think that that actually – I don't think that's a bad trade for either one. I really don't. I really don't, honestly. You know, Westbrook's that fiery guy that can galvanize guys, and George is the, you know, the, the dual wing, you know, the, you know the, the dual threat wing that, you know, can play besides Harden, and that's – you know, and, and, and LA gets Robert Covington, who's a really good 3-and-D three three and wing player himself. So he, you know, sort of – he's obviously not going to be able to beat Paul George, but he can at least defensively he can help pick up some of that slack if they lose with him. So I think that's a – that would be a very – that would be a fascinating trade if that goes down. Yeah, I'd also love to see just how Paul George – and because that would make James Harden, if they keep James Harden also on that team, that'd probably make him the primary ball handler and having yeah. Paul George as your second guy yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, you've got a 6'5 point guard and a 6'7, six, 6'8 six, shooting guard out there. So a lot of size and length. That would be very interesting to see. I, I think that would make the Rockets – I feel like – I think that makes the Rockets instantly – I think that raises their ceiling a, a ton if they make that trade. I really I really do. I think – we can argue about Paul jo- – you know, Paul George's – you know, his, his playoff failures and stuff like that, especially, you know, coming off of, you know, the bubble, but everything. But, I mean, like, that's – to me, I feel like that's – Houston, to me, gets uh, – you know, I'm not saying they're – you know, they're not going to be the favorite, obviously, but 
you know, their, their window, I think, is open, you know, opens up a bit more, bit more, if that, you know, if something like that were to happen. Yeah, and another thing, um, Chris Paul, we touched on it a little bit in the uh, draft earlier. Um, do you guys see Chris Paul moving? And if so, where? I saw a Phoenix uh, spot like a few days ago is that Woj reported that they were uh, advancing on talks. So I could that could happen at any point. Um, If they did trade Chris Paul or if they traded, yeah, if the Thunder traded Chris Paul to the Suns, uh, that obviously, you know, puts them with Devin Booker and Chris Paul together with obviously Aiton and then Michael Bridges, who I really like. I think they'd probably have to trade away Kelly Oubre, probably that 10th pick and a few other things. But they have a ton of young talent that it really wouldn't hurt them too bad. Plus you get a point guard who we saw last year is still capable of, of, of taking teams to the playoffs. And I mean, that Thunder team wasn't expected to do much. And then they ended up being a team that scared Houston to seven games. Uh, and we just saw the Suns go 8-0 and just miss out on the playoffs due to, you know, con- uh, circumstances outside of their control. He could make them a tough team. He could make them, you know, a, a force to be reckoned with in the West, especially if we see another year of growth from Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. I mean, we saw the way they played in the bubble. Imagine, you know, we give these guys the, the offseason to train, and it's going to be pretty crazy. So, I mean, if they got Chris Paul, the Suns got Chris Paul, I think that's a pretty dangerous team. I like that situation yeah, a lot, mainly. Oops, sorry. I was no, going to say, no, go I like, yep, thanks, Bobby. Um, I like that situation a lot because I feel like Chris Paul can have the same effect on the Suns they did this this year with the Thunder where you take a team that overall is very young that, you know, especially with Phoenix, has just not won, you know, ever since basically Steve Nash left has not done anything relevant. They haven't gone to the playoffs. They haven't been – they haven't came anywhere close to being a winning team. So I think Paul – you know, I think Paul, and especially here's the thing. It's like, yes, people can, people can complain about the contract, but the guy was an all NBA. When he was healthy last year, he was an all NBA. He, he made all NBA second team. When he's right, even, at, even now in his mid-30s, he can still be a really, really good player just by him, just in his own right. And then you have a guy who can come in and can tutor, you know, and, and can show Devin Booker what a winning mentality is like and show DeAndre Ayton what a winning mentality is like and the other young guys there in Phoenix. I think that at least for the future of the Suns and for the culture that they would want to try and build, especially now with uh, Monty Williams there as their head coach, who Chris Paul, I think, played with, I think the year before he left uh, New Orleans, actually. Um, I think that that can be a really good fit for their culture and for overall their future because even, even though you know Paul's probably not going to be there maybe for other than, other than one or two years – the, being able to show what a, what winning habits are like and what you need to do as players to actually be a winning team, I think that's something that can pay off for the Suns in the long road and can you know especially for a guy like Devin Booker because you know we we know we know he can score we know he's one of the more talented scorers in the league but you know it's it's about all the other intangibles can he you know having all the other intangibles that other winning stars in this league have and I feel like that Paul can help really bring the rest of that out. And can you know help you know you know not not necessarily make Phoenix you know a title contender obviously, but can just put them in a position where they can finally, after a near decade of rebuilding, just move forward and uh, and aspire to something you know just better than that. Yeah, Phoenix also they got a few good young pieces. Like we still haven't really seen what Cameron Johnson's going to be, who was I believe last year's draft pick. 
for Phoenix. Um, Javon Carter's a little older for a young guy, but he's a guy that I've liked since West Virginia, ever since he headed that monster of a press with, uh, oh, who is Sagaba Kanate with him, just funneling them to him. That was a fun team to watch. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't know how much, obviously it makes the Suns better, but you know, with Chris Paul's playoff history, I guess I'd like to say, is that the piece that would push them to like a contender? I don't think so. Um, another rumor we've been hearing, we touched on it earlier too. Um, DeMar DeRozan potentially out of San Antonio, the Lakers trying to make a move for him. Um, what impact do you guys see that move making if it does happen or if it happens? Well, here's the thing I see with the Lakers. I just don't know what assets they have really to trade because I'm just going to say this one time because every time I go on Twitter, I just see these Lakers fans. I just need to tell them this right now. Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma is not a good trade package, in my opinion. I don't know how many times they need to hear this, but it's just annoying me every time. All I see is Danny, Ku- Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma in a first, and they think they can get like DeMar DeRozan for it. Like, I just wanted to get that out of the way right now because it's not going to work. But I just don't think the Lakers can really trade for another star with the assets that they have. I just don't think they have any really – valuable like long-term assets other than maybe first round picks but then you know they're going to be later in the round so the Lakers I think they're probably best just staying path and just adding more solid veterans around LeBron and AD if I'm being honest well that and DeMar DeRozan isn't that solid like he he can hit shots from outside but that's not really his game his game is more of a slasher defensive type player um so I just don't see why the Lakers would go out of their way to give up probably a lot for a guy who wouldn't really space the floor for AD and LeBron. I was going to say, I think, I think from one, on one end, you can say that, you know, DeRozan's a guy who can, in terms of being someone to take, like, especially a wing who can take pressure off LeBron, he can, he can create, he can create with the, you know, he can score and create with the ball. So he can be a ball handler and he can, in that way, I guess you can say, like, if you're a Lakers fan, it's like, well, he can take pressure off LeBron because then he can, you know, it's like sort of like how LeBron, you know, back when he was in Cleveland or when he was in Miami, you know, he could, you know, he, you know, he could give the ball to Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving and they can go, you know, they can do their thing, go one-on-one and, and you know, and, and score or create for others. Like, although I just don't think DeRozan at this point, you know, he's, he's not going to add anything as a defender. We know that. He's, ne- he's never been a great defender, even back in his prime in Toronto. So, I mean, that's just – that's never been his strong suit. He, you know, he, he hasn't – you know, he's basically – from what little shooting of threes he did in, at, during his end in Toronto, he's basically not done at all in San Antonio. I mean, he's just reverted back to being a strict, like, you know, mid-range shooter, get to the free throw line, attack the paint kind of guy, which it's not – obviously he's a big – you know, he's a big-time scorer. Yeah, he's averaging over – you know, he's still averaging over 20 – well, over 20 points a game, but – I feel like for the Lakers, I, I, I don't think – if you just want someone to be able to take pressure off LeBron with having the ball in their hands, obviously he can do that. But I just feel like that they need – with still having to go up against really versatile offensive teams like the Clippers, like the Nuggets, you know, like other teams in the West, I feel like you need someone who's going to be able to be able to still – play, you know, play defense effectively and be able to and to be able to be a threat from the three point line. Like say what you want about Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma and some of their struggles. But Danny Green for the course of his career has been one of the has been one of the more consistent three and D players in the league. And 
Kuzma at the very least is younger with, you know, still with more potential to be able to, you know, be able to still, you know, grow into more of, of a complimentary type player for the Lakers. And he's probably, honestly, at this point, he's probably is a better three-point shooter than DeRozan is. And even though, even though he's not a great three-point shooter by any means, but I just feel like, I don't know. I think that if the Lakers were to package into somebody else, I mean, I feel like they would try and get a guy maybe who could play more of a, who could play more of a complimentary role um, and not, and not be as, you know, as inefficient, like, or not that DeRozan isn't, isn't efficient, but just someone who can do more than just score. If they want someone who can just score, then I mean, listen, DeRozan can do that. But if in terms of wanting to have a guy that can play good defense, that can be a threat shooting the ball, he really doesn't, he, he's never really had those skills at all throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, the pickup would, I guess, yeah, it would take attention off LeBron and AD. But, yeah, I just don't see – I mean, you won a championship with the roster you have. Why ch- drastically change it for one player who you don't really know how it's going to work out until it happens? Yeah. Um, I'm just – personally, I'd be a little uncomfortable with the idea – but hey, you know, that's why I'm not in a front office. Um, I guess, let's see, we've, we're about at an hour and five minutes. Um, do we want to talk about James Harden? Because I just don't see why, I mean, if, how can you not like, like, you know, the narrative right now is that Russell Westbrook and James Harden don't see it working together, but then on Harden's Instagram, he posts a very nice happy birthday to Russell Westbrook. So this might be like an Embiid Simmons thing where the media just tries to portray that, you know, oh, it'll never work. They can't play together. So I'd just be curious to know what they're actually feeling. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think uh, both. You, you go ahead, Garth. All right. Uh, I think both guys would probably benefit from a change of scenery. Um, both guys in Houston, Westbrook and Harden, both want to be the guy. And I think that we actually kind of saw that fall apart uh, last in the playoffs because Westbrook was the one who tried to be the guy and James Harden was passive as he should never be. And, you know, if both those guys moved on, I, I continuously see James Harden at Philly. Uh, that would be an interesting one. I mean, I think it might be a solid fit. If you have James Harden as an off-ball guy, I know then he – he could still be the guy, but, you know, Ben Simmons would be the ball-dominant guy. Um, and I think that would be perfect. I mean, I think that could be one of the best situations for him. You know, have Simmons feeding him the ball. He can even feed Simmons the ball if Simmons goes to post up and whatnot. We saw Ben Simmons shoot threes a little bit more, too. So there's all sorts of different aspects of this offense that if they acquired James Harden that they could end up uh, tapping into. And if you keep Embiid in that situation, then you have a dominant big man too. And I think, you know, if you have Simmons, obviously those are pretty big egos in the in the locker room to uh, manage. And it's Mike D'Antoni, a guy who's never really cared about doing such a thing. Um, it could, it's another one of those situations where it could be disastrous or you could benefit from it. Um, if you can get those guys to all buy into playing together and, 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 and diluting those roles just a little bit with Harden being your main scoring guy. You have Simmons as your facilitator and somebody who can get to the rack as easily as he can. You have Embiid posting up and doing what he does. Then you've got yourself a really good team. It's just 
can you get the guys to buy in and make it work? I don't know if they could, uh, but on paper, it's a really interesting situation, to say the least. Well, do you think that they, if they traded for James Harden, do you think they'd be able to keep Simmons and Embiid? I, mean, I think they'd think probably they'd move on from one. one. I think they'd move on from one of them. I think Embiid would probably go. I mean, Simmons is probably the better player and, and solid big man. I know Embiid's really good, but getting a, a decent big man is is a dime a dozen. You know, you can find somebody who can get rebounds and play defense. Obviously, Embiid is, is incredibly talented. It's just the motor for Embiid is, is obviously what's not there. Um, but if you could get, you know, a solid level – center i mean then you have yourself a good team even despite sending him beat elsewhere but i mean simmons and harden i was just thinking great yeah oh go ahead so i was was gonna say imagining imagining joel Embiid on the rockets i mean granted you know you might not have russell westbrook as well um it'd be very interesting i think because you know them shift having such a dramatic shift from their small ball mentality, you know, obviously Daryl Morey's not there anymore, but I just think it'd be very interesting to see Joel Embiid in a Houston Rockets uniform. I'd be curious to see what he would do over there, especially if they get rid of Westbrook and Harden. He would be the man over there. Um, I'd really like to see what he would do as the man, you know. I'd, I'd love to see his production and how – the coaching staff would get him involved as like the number one option on a team. I think that'd be interesting. Um, all right. Did we have any final thoughts before we log off for the day? Anything that no one, nothing. All right. Not really. I think it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited for the draft and uh, it's going to be absolute chaos because nobody agrees on anything. So <laughs> We don't know who's picking when. There's rumors that Chris Paul might get traded on draft night for draft picks. Or with draft picks package, there's rumors that Westbrook might. I mean, there's rumors that Golden State might package their pick for LaMarcus Aldridge. There's so much going on right now. And part of that stems from the fact that these guys getting drafted, they're going to be in training camp in a week. A week after they're drafted, they'll be in training camp. There's no summer league. There's no development period. It's going to be who can help us win the most now, and it's going to be one of the most unpredictable drafts that I've ever seen. But I don't think Anthony Bennett will go number one. I don't think there'll be anything like that. Yeah, just going off what Zach says, that's that's really what I just want this draft. Just another Anthony Bennett having Bill Simmons yelling in the background of my TV. So (laughs) it should be interesting. Um, Definitely going to be a lot of variety. You can see a lot of guys maybe that you think would go 35 might go up to 20. Guys who may you think go mid-10s, drop to 29 like we saw with Jalen Smith. So it's going to be a wild night for sure. I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, think exactly. about it. We're oh, going to have basketball in a little back in a little over a month. Like, and, that, and, that, and that's the thing for today. It's like, again, it's like really – and that's the thing where – I kind of feel I kind of feel where the the teams in the in the in the late teens or the twenties probably feel a little more secure knowing that well, at least we know we're gonna get guys that can fit in right away, like you know, or something like that. Like you know, it's gonna be hard to, you know, teams that are at the top of the draft. They're really going. They I feel like you just cannot base this year, you know, the rook, a rookie's progress this year. You have to be very patient with that because again, yeah, there isn't a summer league, there isn't an extended training, there isn't like a 
extended training camp. Like it's just, it's you get in and you go. And not to mention the fact that what free agency is going to be what, like officially two days after the draft or, 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 or something like that. Like it's everything. It's just going to come. It's like, it's like, bam, bam, like boom, boom, boom. And then the season starts. It's like, well, this is when like, wow, this is really fast. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this is going to be a, uh, I think hectic probably will just, it's going to be a very hectic next, you know, week for the NBA once they get through the draft and once free agency starts. Hey, but I'm all here for it. I'm ready. Um, another thing, one last thing I want to touch on, you guys touched on no summer league. So I wonder if that trend of, you know, not really having that much time to prepare. I wonder if we'll see contrary to the past, some younger work in progress prospects, maybe fall. Um, maybe teams will go for more experienced guys who they have more film on, more, you know, just more info on. Maybe they'll just go for more surefire things. I'll be curious to see how it affects the draft. So with that said, this has been another great episode of Courtside Convo. The draft especial had a lot of fun today. Um, we'll keep you guys updated on if we're going to do the live draft. Um, coverage. I would really like to see that happen, but we'll keep you guys updated. So from all of us from Impact 89 FM in East Lansing, Michigan, on the beautiful campus of Michigan State, your host Bobby Zephro, co-host Carter Landis, Darren Baydoon, Zach Serdinick, Josh Rayapam, signing off. Have a great one.